Hi, and welcome to the Willow Ridge Church Weekly Podcast. This is where you can find audio for our current and past sermons. We hope that you enjoy this week's installment, and be sure to check back next week to hear the latest message. Thanks for listening. Glad that you guys are joining us, whether you're here on campus with us or you're joining us online. Uh, You got a lot of announcements there. A lot of things are are going on in the life of our church, and we're thankful that you guys are on that journey and participating with us. Uh, One of the things that I want to draw us all to, to kind of make note of so it doesn't sneak up on you, right, is Easter is early this year. Easter is April 4th, the first Sunday in April. Usually it's a little bit later in April, so I don't want you to think, oh, we got a couple more weeks when actually it's right here on us. And we're going to do something a little bit different for Easter here at Willow Ridge Church. I I don't know about you, but I grew up in a a tradition where we had a a sunrise service. And so kind of beginning to think through, uh, as we've been doing for all year, how we do services, looking at doing services differently. What we've decided to do as more and more people are coming back to our face-to-face gatherings here is to provide a third service for Easter, all right? And so what we're going to do is provide a 7.30, and we're calling it like a sunrise service. I know the sun's up before then, but that's as sunrisey as Baptists get, right? So a 7.30 service. Uh, in that service, uh, there will it'll be a full family, everybody out there, no nursery provided. We're going to have some scaled back worship, acoustic worship that we're going to have, but, but just gathered outdoors, out on the patio uh, to worship together. And then our 9.30 and 11 services will gather in here. We'll still stream the 11 o'clock services, but the 9.30 and 11 will gather. It's going to be more of a family service, meaning that we will provide nursery that day, but that is it. We're going to bring everybody in here together. So uh, we are going to do Lord's Supper also for each of those three services. So we'd love to have you. So maybe you're joining us online because you're not comfortable with, with face-to-face and being in a building, but you would like to be with us. We would love to have you. And so you can come to that 7.30. Maybe you're like, I love face-to-face. I've been here since we reopened, but I want to try something different as well. Come join us for that early morning hour, right? I promise we'll have coffee available, right? Pastor Dave's going to have it waiting on us and ready to go. So 7.30, 9.30, and 11. Here's one favor that we need to ask so that we can make sure we have the right amount of seating is we're going to ask that everyone register on the church website for whichever service that you want to be a part of so that we can be ready and equipped for you to celebrate the fact that Jesus is risen. Well, it's been a year. It's been a long year. It's been a different year. It's been a difficult year. One year ago today, we gathered as Willow Ridge Church for our last time normally, right? From that moment on, in that day, we had begun and had fully made the transition from from two services to, to one service, an important piece for us as a body of believers you know, with my family, when we, when we eat a meal together, half of us don't stay upstairs while the other half eat, and then we switch. We believe in our family that we eat together as a family, if at all possible, and we are strongly convicted that that's what God's family needs to do as well. 
And so we made the transition to one service. It wasn't easy. Many of you took on sacrifices in order for that to happen, and we're greatly thankful for those sacrifices that you made during that season. Our students and our kids were gathering on Sunday morning and then back together gathering on Sunday nights. If you drove past Willow Ridge Church on a Sunday night, you would see the parking lot filled. Our Hispanics had Bible studies going on. Celebrate Recovery had step studies going on. Student ministry was meeting. Kids ministry was meeting. It was a packed place where God was doing a lot of things. We had plans. I don't know about you, but I'd be willing to bet at least one of your plans this past year was canceled, right? We had plans as a church. We were going to go overseas, continuing in the journey to take the, the gospel to the nations, to see some of you take your first steps on, the, on a foreign soil, not because you were going to a resort, because you were, but instead you were going to a persecuted people to share the hope of the gospel. One year ago, we had a picnic planned for today, for that day, March 15th. It was going to be a picnic where all members of Willow Ridge Church were invited to be there, the English speakers and the Spanish speakers. We were going to gather together for, for one big picnic. Our, our youth groups were coming together to prepare food, to, to serve, to raise money for each's uh, mission trips that they were going to be a part of, and, and we had celebrated that, and it was a remarkable work of, of what God was doing. But then at 3 o'clock that day, and this is not me casting a stone at our governor, Henry McMaster. If one thing is COVID has created in me is a greater sense of grace for people who make decisions. Because oftentimes, and you know this in your own life, we only make decisions based off of what we have to the best of our ability. And on March 15th, I believe that that's what our governor did. About three o'clock that day, he placed us on a lockdown I don't remember the exact numbers, but I think we were limited to, to groups no larger than 20. And we're here and we got youth all in this building preparing food for everybody. I think most of them had gloves on. And, and I remember walking around and we were like, we got 24. Uh-oh. Like, what's going on? Are the police going to show up and arrest us? So, like, we, we're intentionally like, this group work over here, this group work over here. You may need to hide, right, if they show up. It's crazy. You showed up, and you picked up your food. We started our Chick-fil-A drive through out there, and you got it, and you went. We're grateful for, for what you did and your understanding in that. I went in my office about 3.30, 3.45 that day, and I cried. If you know me, man, I, I, I cry a lot. I'm a crier. I think real men cry, and we're okay with admitting that, but I cried. I was afraid. I was frustrated. I was disappointed. I was hurt. My wife came in. I don't know, Aaron, if you remember this conversation, but, but Aaron came into my office. She'd been in here serving plates. And she came into my office. And she said, are you okay? And I said, no, I'm not. And she listened to me. As my insecurities and fears and concerns and frustrations began to come out, she listened. 
and then gave the greatest, godliest advice. She said, we're going to get through it. We're going to get through it. And for the last year, we, me, you, we got through it. We got through the last year. There's things we wish we'd have done differently. There's things that we celebrate that we did. But we got through it. God worked. God worked because we, we adjusted. You know, you adjusted. You, you began to do things differently at your home, with your family. You, you rethought how you do family vacation. You rethought date nights. You rethought how to have activities with your kids. We bought bikes. We went out on trails instead of going to arcades. We did more picnics together. We adjusted. We adjusted life. We adjusted here. We went online. The most petrifying thing that I've ever done in ministry. We started online services, and it was rough. We got through it. We got better. And you extended us the grace to do that. We did online Bible studies. Everybody in the course of a week got introduced to this thing called Zoom, which you didn't know would take on so much with schools. But we got on and we did our Bible studies and we met differently and we adjusted. We adjusted with resources. Probably the, the most proud that I've been of, of of any of the ministries at our, at our church has been with our children's ministry. Like there, there's more resources that they work on diligently to be able to provide for you as a family, whether you show up here on Sunday morning or whether you're going through at home. And so if you, if you feel like they haven't done enough, I just want to be honest with you, that's on you because there's stuff that's there. We purchase Right Now Media in the world of, of Netflix and streaming for everything, we, we purchased Right Now Media, and, and our church jumped in and embraced that and started online Bible studies where we could study things online and, and, and meet together, and it was fantastic. One of the things I, I remember kind of my highlight for, for all of this, Dawn, Dawn shared with me one day that we were going to do a Facebook Live magic show for the kids in our kids' ministry. And I thought, that is the craziest idea that I've ever heard. But we did it, right? And it was, the gospel was shared and families logged on and kids and myself were wowed and amazed because I still can't figure out how some of those things happen. But, right, thought outside of the box, it's what we did. It's what you did. We adjusted. We got through it. We, we changed. In our doing things differently, we changed. We had standards, and then we decided our standards aren't, aren't quite right, so we need, to, we need to go above and beyond. You did that. So many of you did that. When there's so many churches that have depended on government loans in order to not just make budget, because some of them still didn't, but to make payroll or to be able to pay their bills, we had the opportunity and were eligible for the same loan, and God laid it on our heart to say, no, thank you. 
because we believed of what God was going to do in you. And God did, and you did. And God worked in you and through you, and you gave. And you gave not out of ease and not out of comfort, but you gave out of sacrifice, and you gave faithfully. And from the bottom of my heart, thank you. I know so many churches where during COVID, pastors have laid off staff members, been laid off themselves, taken massive pay cuts, that some of you have walked those same paths in your job. We didn't. I'm blessed. And my family's grateful for you. You went above and beyond. We went above and beyond as a church. We had a missions plan to go and we couldn't. But you gave to a missions plan. So we just gave it away. We fulfilled every financial commitment that we said we would fulfill in 2020. Every single one. There was not a missionary who, who was denied a penny of what we had committed. But then we were also, through your kindness and your generosity and your faithfulness with how God was working in you, we were able to give above and beyond to some of our partners. We were also able to give to churches and organizations that we aren't even partnered with, but we heard about an opportunity. One that I'll share with you is there's a church that we became aware of. I'll say we're friends. We're not partnering together, but we got a friendship with them, and, and they're right outside, like literally two miles outside of downtown Atlanta. And y'all know our, our state has been a little bit more lax on COVID restrictions, and that's for you to decide that what you feel about that. But Georgia and Atlanta especially was a little bit more restrictive during that time. And as a result, men and women lost their jobs and didn't get paychecks. And I don't know if you've ever tried to tithe off of zero, but that's hard. And so this church was struggling. In my conversation with the pastor, I said, where, where are you lacking? What do you need? And he said, it, it, it's not, we're not worried about anything else. We're, we're, we're worried because we've, we've spent all of our money. We have no more money for benevolence. And right now, I don't know if you've ever been to Atlanta in the summer, but it is equally as hot as Columbia. And he said, we have people who are making decisions. Do I pay the power bill or do I buy groceries? What do I do? And so we gave to them and they then in turn gave it away as well. And so we're, we're thankful for you guys. We as a church tried to model your faith and we went above and beyond. Over the course of 2020, we've continued to see lives change through the power of the gospel. What it's all about. Celebrate recovery embraced online uh, they had bumps in the road like we had bumps in the road as you try to stream and go through all of those type things but but they rallied together and they, they they kept going on they kept going virtually before they could come back together as one of our groups that went back face to face and through the ministry of celebrate recovery 
I, I don't know if you realize this, but 2020 has been marked by, by a year of, of unprecedented uh, depression, substance abuse, and has been marked by Celebrate Recovery stepping into a lot of those areas within the men and women and families in their ministry and meeting needs and providing a, a place of safety and a place of comfort where, where people can come through and, and work through their hurts, habits, and hang-ups through the power of the gospel. So they continued, figured it out. And we've seen families and individuals' lives changed and freed from the bondage that held them before. We've seen parents engage in, in different ways. One of the things that I kind of laugh about, uh, my, my wife has, has been a school teacher for a long time. My, wife, my mom retired as a school teacher. I was a school teacher for three weeks <laughs> and said, nah, I can't do this. Went back into ministry, right? That's tough. I don't know how y'all do that. But we as parents, we became teachers. I didn't understand how complex middle school math was. Until my kids would say, could you help me with this? And I would think, absolutely. No, I can't. <laughs> I have no clue. Call an eighth grader. Right? But we did, all right? As parents, we engaged in things. We, we dove in. And one of the exciting things that I've seen through, through COVID is parents engaging in the discipleship process. So many of you decided... I can't drop my kid off on Sunday night, so I'm just going to go forward with it. And here's what I believe. You're a better parent because of COVID. Because discipleship became not what you drop them off at, but the discipleship became what you do in your home. And so you did it in a different manner and places that you weren't comfortable with, but God worked. And as a result, lives were changed through the gospel. We started a baptism class that Pastor Dave had been working on, seeing individuals and families go through that to understand more about what life with Christ means and the Lord blessed during that season in different ways to baptize some. People joined our family. Never forget our, our first Sunday when we came back face to face. There wasn't a whole lot of us. It was easy to pick out who the visitors were because you ain't never seen them before. And then it was different because they had seen you before because they had been watching online. And you begin to realize, wow, y'all went through that and you stuck around with us. We appreciate you, you know? And they joined and they became far, part of our, of our family and, and they've grown with us. And now they continue to meet with us face to face. And we continue right now. We got families that are joining online with us. They're at home. They've got their convictions of the reasons why they're not here with us. And, and we're glad that they're here. Some of those families we know and we can't wait for them to, to be able to meet back with us. And some families we don't know. And we long for the day that, that we can meet them for the first time face to face this side of eternity, knowing that we'll meet face to face that side. One of the interesting, I'm going to call her a church member because I want to. My grandmother started watching online 
She'd get on Facebook. She didn't have an account. My aunt would log her in. And before she passed, in January, she became a part of Willow Ridge. And I'm grateful for that. And I wouldn't have had that without COVID. <laughs> we don't get to say that in a positive manner very often. God worked. God moved. God worked in your life and worked in my life. And we celebrate those things. And it's been phenomenal to see the growth that you've gone through and the growth that you've experienced. 2020 was hard. We all lost someone, I'd be willing to bet, over the course of that year. We had to make tough decisions financially. We could probably got into arguments at some point in time. Maybe somebody fussed at us because we were five feet behind them in line and not six. You know, you forget. But we got in arguments and we got over it. It's crazy politically. We got through it. Right? God worked. For me, a, a big piece of what 2020 has been all about and how God works, I want to I share a story with you. We're going to have a message today where we'll read scripture. It'll be brief. If you were in children's ministry last service, I apologize ahead of time. This is why we went over a lot over. But there's a guy whose life and whose story became real to me over 2020. A guy who's been a church, been, been a part of our church for a decent amount of time, not, not a long time, but who most of you probably don't know him. You never met him. You may have seen him. Be willing to bet you haven't spoken with him. He's pretty quiet. I guarantee you, you know his son and you know his daughter-in-law, and you definitely know their kids. It's the McGrady's. Scott sings up here from time to time. Sarah runs the words, and I love their precious kids. They ain't never met a stranger, and that always warms my heart when they come up and give me hugs or their drawings that they've done during service that they have. I love it. But I met Jerry. Jerry's the dad of Scott, and, and he comes in with them, and he's quiet. And before COVID, they would slide in somewhere near the back, and they would sit there together. And then as they would leave, and you find yourself being taken into the warmth and the love and the family of the McGrady's, and Jerry's kind of hang back and drift on out. And Gary, uh, Jerry, I'm sorry, went through a, a powerful time during this. And I wanted to share the story with you, and I asked his son Scott if, if Scott would kind of helped me tell the story. And instead of Scott helping me, he did a beautiful thing. He wrote a letter, and, and I'm going to read Scott's words, word for word, to you this morning. As Scott helps to tell the story of his dad. It says this, I wasn't sure what exactly you wanted me to send, so use as much or as little of this as you want. Well, Scott, I'm going to use it all. 
His dad has been a believer for, a long, for as long as I can remember, but he was never a churchgoer. He encouraged us to go to church, but never went himself. I remember having a conversation with him as a young adult about getting saved. And he told me that he had been, had been saved, but struggles with the idea of submitting to God. And that was kind of how things went for the longest time. When we started going to Willow Ridge and decided that it was the church for us, we invited him every week until he finally broke down and came with us. Then a few weeks later, he came again. And then before long, he was coming every week. He told me that Willow Ridge was the first church he really felt comfortable in. As the weeks passed and Dad continued to attend it, it, amazed, it, it was amazing to see the changes God was making in him. When Sarah and I were, were baptized, he was there with us. And shortly thereafter, he started asking questions about baptism and started showing interest in being baptized himself. Unfortunately, COVID happened, and he hasn't been able to attend church since because of his condition. Dad has advanced lung cancer, COPD, heart disease, and a host of other issues that make going to many places impossible for him. At any rate, things reached a point where we realized that we needed to go ahead and get Dad baptized before his health kept him from being able to do it. And that's when we reached out to Dave. Dad sat down with Dave and he talked him uh, through it. And again, it was like seeing a different person there. The strength of faith was apparent. And even though I knew Dad was struggling through the issues he is facing from cancer, it was apparent that he has found peace through Christ. Anyway, I know you said short, but I tend to get a little wordy. I hope this helps. Take care, sir. Scott McGrady. So a few weeks ago, we gathered here one night, and Jerry McGrady and his family came, and we got to baptize Jerry. Now check out the video. Well, it's a pleasure and an honor uh, to continue to celebrate baptism this morning. Right here we got uh, Jerry McGrady, who's professed his faith in, in Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, shared what God's been doing with him with Pastor Dave, and we receive him for baptism because he's been saved by Christ and will spend eternity with him. So Mr. Jerry, based off of your profession of faith as Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it's a privilege and an honor for me to baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, the Son, and in the Holy Spirit. Congratulations. Here you go. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So, 2020 COVID government, well, on and whatever you want to call it, stopped a lot of things. It stopped your vacation. It stopped your plans. It stopped school. It stopped jobs. And it stopped God. And God kept working and God kept moving. So in this time where we've got everybody kind of given their, their one year 
assessment that's met with uh, praise and skepticism and really nowhere in between. We want to look at our one year. It's been tough. It's been hard. But it's been good because God's kept going. I'm going to read the Bible in just a minute. We're going to have an abbreviated message. Let's pray before we do. Lord, I thank you so much. Lord, for what you've done. Lord, we didn't do anything. We didn't. We just said yes and you went. And Lord, we, I feel like we were just holding on to the edge of your robe as you led us. And Lord, you led us down the path of trying to figure out online worship services and live streaming. And you led us down a financial path of faith that we've never experienced before. And you led families down a path of discipleship and church down a path of discipleship. And, and all the time that this was happening, Lord, you're changing lives. And you're drawing people to yourself. And you're being glorified. And so, God, I, I thank you for this opportunity that, that we have to just, just be a part of this. That, that in, in the, the smallness, Lord, that is my life, Lord, you allowed me in your sovereignty and in your grace and in your goodness to experience this past year. And so, Lord, I, I thank you for that. I thank you for Jerry McGrady. And I thank you for so many like him. In 2020, COVID, shutdowns, masks, quarantines, social distancing, Lord, didn't stop you from radically changing his life. And so we praise you for it. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you've got your Bibles with you this morning, open up to, to Luke chapter 11. In just a minute, we're going to start reading in verse 37. And we're going to read about an encounter that Jesus has with a group of Pharisees. Now, if you know about Pharisees, uh, or maybe you don't know about Pharisees, commonly Pharisees are viewed as the enemy of Jesus. And so if Jesus is the superhero of the story, then, then the Pharisees are the villain. They're, they're the ones who are attacking Jesus. They're the ones who are trying to shut down the, the work that Jesus is doing. But I want us to look at Pharisees a little bit different. That, that they really, just as COVID didn't really shut down anything, Pharisees didn't really shut down anything. They, they, they changed things, they, they altered things, they, they made things look different, but Jesus kept going. In fact, Jesus would oftentimes use interactions with the Pharisees where, where they think, oh, I got him, to often leverage an opportunity to declare the gospel in a way that, that wouldn't have been possible if, if not for the Pharisee. And so in a lot of ways, like, like you and I need to be thankful that the Pharisees were there because we get moments like this of what we're about to read where Jesus says, hey, watch this. I know what you're trying to do, but boom, here we go, All right? 
And that's what we see. So let's start looking at verse, verse 37. It says, while Jesus was speaking, a Pharisee asked him to dine with him. So he went in and reclined at the table. And the Pharisee was astonished to see that he did not first wash before dinner. And the Lord said to him, Now you Pharisees, cleanse the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You fools, did not he who made the outside make the inside also? But give as alms those things that are within, and behold, everything is clean for you. And so, this encounter, Jesus had been speaking and, and teaching, and, and a Pharisee comes up to Jesus and says, hey, come to my house, have dinner with me. Now, I don't know about you, but, but, but like, that's not a common encounter for, for two strangers to have. But it is common for, for you and I to invite someone into our house for dinner, and it's a very vulnerable thing, right? You come into my house, you see who I am. You come in my house, you, you, you see how I live life. You, we sit down at the table, we break bread together, we share stories together, we share life together. And so this Pharisee, and, and I don't know the intention of his heart at the time, is, has an encounter with Jesus and he says, hey, come to my house and eat dinner with me. And as Jesus does, there's something that is said here that Jesus didn't wash before dinner. Now, now, growing up, right, before you came to, to eat, at least at the house that I was growing up, it was kind of like, I don't know about y'all, but, but breakfast and lunch were kind of like fair game, you know? If you were dirty after being outside and, and playing, I feel like, hey, here's a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and just go on with it, right? My wife probably cringed, but that's kind of how I've, I've done things, and she does things differently. But now for dinner, ever since growing up, right, it's that moment where it's like, okay, wash up, it's time to eat. Wash your hands, it's time to eat. And that's, it's not only is it acceptable, it's the norm and it's what's expected. Now over this last year, right, even more so, even more so, right? Between the time that you walk out these doors and go out the other set of doors to leave here, there's multiple times and places where you could stop and sanitize and wash your hands. If you walk into my home, there's at least Four different places from the time you enter into the door to you get to our table in the kitchen where you can wash your hands. So what is going on here? Like is Jesus being the gross guy at the dinner table who's like, nah, I'm good. You just got to give and accept that I've got dirt underneath my fingernails, right? That's not what's happening here at all. It's, this isn't a matter of hygiene of what's happening and taking place here. What the Pharisees would do during the time of Jesus is there was different times where they would, would agree to, would encourage, and would teach for a ceremonial washing or a ceremonial cleansing. And in order to eat in the house of a Pharisee, what they wanted you to do was ceremonially wash so that you could partake in life with them. Now, they weren't necessarily worried about you getting the germs off of you before they would shake your hand, before they would greet you, before they'd pull up a seat to their table. What they were concerned with is that you would get rid of the sin off of you so that you could be worthy to sit at their table, so that you could be worthy to dine with them. Why? Because they're good. They've done it all right. 
They followed every in their mind, every law and every command that God had told them to do. But you have not. So what do you need to do? You need to go and make yourself clean before you can engage in a relationship with me. Now here's the irony of the situation. There's only one person who never needed to be cleansed from their sins. It was Jesus. So the whole point of the conflict of what we begin to see here in this encounter is you've got a sinful man looking at per perfect divinity and saying, hey, before you can eat with me, before you can fellowship with me, go and make yourself clean. Not because God's called you to do that, but because I've called you to do that. See, the irony in this passage of Scripture, the hypocrisy of what we find here. But this was common with the Pharisees. The Pharisees obsessed over the external actions of what they would do and their goal in doing that in knowing that their hearts and their thoughts were wicked, but the goal in making sure that they observe all of these external actions is so that people would think they're spiritually more obedient than they really were. And that's why Jesus says, now you Pharisees cleanse the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. Jesus says, look, the outside doesn't really match who you are. And I love his illustration that he gives. He gives the, 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 the picture of something that you and I can all understand, a picture of a dirty dish. Now let's say that, that after church, all of you are going to go and eat lunch at our house, right? And my wife makes phenomenal absolutely wonderful, out of this world, best I've ever had, lasagna. I'm just going to tell you, when you eat it, you're going to be amazed, all right? So we're going to invite you to our house to eat lasagna. And so you're pumped because you love lasagna. And you show up at our house, and, and we go, and she pulls out that pan of lasagna, and she peels that foil back, and the, and the cheese is, is just that right of, of, of toasted and gooey, and you can see the bubbles on the side. Y'all know what I'm talking about. It is getting close to lunch, right? And I open up the cabinet, and there's no plates. Oh, what do we do? So all of a sudden, I realize everything's dirty. But it's okay, so I'll, I'll go over to the sink, and I reach down into like the, 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 the bottom of the sink water. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? And I pull out the plate from the day before. And on the top of that plate, there's that dried ketchup and mustard from where I ate too many corn dogs the day before. And so it's all right, I'll get it clean. So I go and I get a rag and I get some warm water going and I get some soap and I create a lather and I flip that plate over to the bottom of it. And I wash the bottom of it. And I scrub the outside of that plate. And I rinse it off. And then I turn it over and there's the ketchup and the mustard. I go, eh. And I go over and I go to that wonderful dish of lasagna that she's made for you. And I take a big scoop out and plop it right on top of that mustard. And then I hand it to you. What are you going to do? Somebody just said, nope. I love that, right? Nope. I ain't eating that. That is not happening, right? 
You're like, but like, no one would ever do that. That's Jesus' point. That's his point. No one would ever say, oh, there's filth and germs and bacteria in the inside of this water bottle, but the outside is good, so drink up. No one would ever do that. And for Jesus, his, his point is this. Don't just focus in on the outside. The outside's important. The outside matters. Read James. It's important what we do. But the inside matters. And the inside needs to be clean. Because there's danger when it's just the outside that appears to be clean when the inside is, is really filthy. Later on in, in chapter 11, Jesus is talking to the same group of Pharisees, and he says this. He says, you're like unmarked graves which people walk over without knowing it. And what he means is this during, during his time. To be ceremonial unclean, uh, you could do certain things which you would become unclean. And one of them would be to, to interact with a, or touch a dead body. And they had taken it to such a degree of making sure that you didn't interact with a dead body or touch a dead body that all graves must be marked. And so if a grave is, is here and, and there's the, the marker that's there, that you would not walk on top of the, of the grave out of fear that, that you might become unclean. So you would walk around it so that the ground underneath you had, had no death that was in it so that you could be clean. So look what he says to the Pharisees. You're like a dead person. You're dead. You don't get it. You're not alive. And in that what is happening in your life is the death and the decay that is there. So that when people walk over you, or people interact with you, or people touch you, what you spread is death. What you spread is, is filth and destruction. And so verse, chapter 12, verse 1, look down at this. It says, in the meantime... When so many thousands of people had gathered together that they were trampling one another, he began to say to his disciples, first, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. So Jesus has interacted with the Pharisees. He's interacted with the, with the lawyers, and these are the teachers of the law, right? And then people can begin to gather. And as the crowds come, as people were surrounding them, Jesus looks at his disciples, says, understand this, beware, don't be like the Pharisees, because what's going to happen is it can take a hold, and it can destroy, and what destroys is hypocrisy. I don't know if you've, if you've ever baked bread or, 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 or dealt with yeast, but, but leaven is, is, is yeast. And what, what I know about yeast is this. Number one, a little bit of the yeast goes a long way. It doesn't take a lot of yeast. A little bit of, of yeast goes, goes a long way. And then also, I know this, once you mix a little bit of yeast in with your other ingredients, do you know what you can't do? You can't go remove it. It's not like, it's not like putting pecans in and then deciding you don't want that, and so it's just an inconvenience. Let's pick them out. Once you mix it, it becomes a part of what's there. 
And a little bit goes a long way. And Jesus says that hypocrisy is the exact same way. It spreads and it moves and it consumes and it takes over. I love this quote that I found this week about hypocrisy, and it says this, hypocrisy puts the bar at an impossible height and then encourages everyone to pretend that they're jumping over it. I love that. Hypocrisy says, let's put the bar at this height where we know we can't clear it, and then let's don't even try, but let's let everybody think that we're jumping over it. Hypocrisy says that within you is the realization, within us is the realization of we're not meeting that, we're not conquering that, but we want everybody else to think that we're doing that. And that's what hypocrisy begins to look like. Oftentimes you and I, and I'll be honest with you, oftentimes most people in our culture, they think that hypocrisy is when you speak about things that are true, but then you can't fulfill them yourself. That's not hypocrisy. Hypocrisy isn't declaring the truth of God and then not being able to fulfill the fullness of that in yourself. If that was the case, Jesus couldn't tell us to not be a hypocrite because I would be a hypocrite every Sunday morning as we declare the truth of God's word. So Jesus says that, that in this, to, to beware, to live our lives in a way that's not a hypocrite. So, so what does this look like? What's the warning signs of hypocrisy for you and, and for me? I just want to give you a few of these this morning. We'll move through these really quickly. The first one is this. Hypocrisy is a lack of confession. Hypocrisy is a lack of confession. Hypocrisy is an unwillingness to confess sin and ask for help. Hypocrisy is you and I feeling that within ourselves there are areas in our life which are just private and they're personal. And no one has the right or the authority to step into this. One of the beautiful things that I love about our CR program, the ministry that's there, one of the beautiful things that I love about our small groups and what we have, it is this. It's okay to go there and not be okay. It's okay to go there and say, you know, I've never really shared this with anyone, but here we go. Because we're commanded in Scripture. God's Word tells us that we repent before Him, but we confess to one another. Right? Confession is not just between us and the Lord. But if you're going to walk in the fullness of your faith and obedience and growth, there's got to be someone that you sit across the table from, that you look at eye to eye, and that you can say, I'm not okay. And that in turn they can do the exact same thing. So hypocrisy is a, is a lack of confession. The second thing, hypocrisy is man-made standards. Man-made standards. Hypocrisy is saying man-made rules that become the standard for others' holiness. Now remember what we talked about. The standard is the bar. I can't clear it. But for you, that's the standard. I'm going to tell you I clear it you go clear it as well. 
in the dangers and the pitfalls of religion that we find. And in that, it causes us to completely miss who Jesus is. It's a man-made standard that you would have to wash yourself before you could sit at the table with the Pharisee. And in doing that, the Pharisee missed who Jesus was. The third thing for hypocrisy, hypocrisy is, is comfort with sin. Now, hypocrisy externally hates sin. Hypocrisy externally really hates the sins of other people. When we're, when we're falling into a good line of being a hypocrite, it ain't hard for us to be able to point out the shortcomings and failings of those around us. But when we're a hypocrite, we become comfortable with our own sin. For a hypocrite, sin is okay as long as it's private, as long as no one knows about them, as long as we don't have to be outed for them. A line that a hypocrite likes to make when confronted with their sin is, who made you God, don't judge me, right? And here's the difference. In love, when a Christian confronts the sin of another Christian, they're not practicing judgment, they're practicing vision. This is what I see. This is what I know. This is where you are. Come with me. You know, we're told in Scripture, right, that we're to look and gauge each other by, by fruit, right? So God's Word calls us to confrontation. God's Word calls us to say, now you say that that's an apple, but I know fruit, and that ain't an apple. And I love you too much to pretend that it's not there, right? Hypocrisy loves false holiness, right? When we pretend to be more holy than we are. When we pretend to have everything put together. When we're not willing to let our guard down. Here's what I wanna close with. But what's the big deal? Why does it matter? Why can't I just have my, my secrets? Why can't I just have my stuff? They're personal. I have my rights to those. No, you don't for either one of them. But Jesus tells us, the danger of hypocrisy is this, God knows. God knows. Our hypocrisy is our worst kept secret. If we're not careful, there are things you and I will take to the grave that we've hidden from our spouse, that we've hidden from our parents, that we've hidden from our kids, our friends, our loved ones, our, our church family. We've got secrets that we can take to the grave with us. But here's the thing, after the grave, they're exposed. The Bible tells us in Revelation that the righteous and the unrighteous will both be judged. We will stand before God. And in Luke 12, verse 2, here's what Jesus says. Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. 
Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light, and what you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops. Right? Jesus isn't talking about calling someone out on social media, right? Posting somebody's stuff. Jesus is talking about gossiping when we find out this information about people and then making sure that others know under the guise of prayer request, right? That, that's not what Jesus is talking about. What Jesus is talking about is this. You got things that you want to take to the grave? Well, here's what you got to understand. When you stand before God, what was in dark is going to be brought out into light, right? What was whispered in the privacy of a room is going to be shouted from the rooftops. So how do we avoid? How do we not walk through that? Will we walk through just by Jesus, what he said? Beware of the leaven of the Pharisee. Don't bring that in. And here's what I'll tell you. We'll wrap up with this. This morning, what I want you to take away is this. There's freedom in that God knows. God knows. You know why you don't confess anything to God? Because he already knows. That's why we repent to God. Repenting is saying, I'm sorry. Confession is declaring what we've done. We repent to God because God knows. And what does God do every single time? He brings in grace. He brings in forgiveness. He brings in freedom. And that's what it looks like. Not being a hypocrite, right, is found when we accept the grace of God that God gives us. I'm going to pray in, in just a moment. But here's what I want to say. Uh, Mark, Mark and Jennifer Babb are here, and they lead our CR ministry. Some of you guys right now, 2020 has been a tough year. It's been a hard year. It's been a long year, all right? And in this year, you've been taking some of the things in your life and you've been hiding them here and hiding them here and hiding them here and hiding them here. And what you're doing every single time that you do that is you're connecting another weight of sin and struggle onto you that builds you down and builds a layer of destruction around your life. You know, with CR, with our Celebrate Recovery, with our small groups, with the different ones that we have meeting, one of the greatest things that we can give you an opportunity to do, right? is find the freedom in confession. The freedom in a safe place to share your hurts, your habits, your hang-ups, your struggles, right? So that we can find the freedom that God has for us and live in that. So Mark and Jennifer, if y'all wouldn't mind after the service is over with, if y'all wouldn't mind handing back in the back with me, and if anybody has any information about CR, Pastor Dave will be there as well. If we've got information about small groups to try to connect you with, because we want you to walk in what God has given you. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for this time and this opportunity that we could be here. Lord, I thank you for the grace extended to me by our church family as I've gone a little over this morning. But I just, Lord, I think it's so important for us to be able to see what you've done, Lord, where you've worked and where you've moved. Lord, in a culture of negativity, in a, in a culture of being a skeptic, in a culture of conspiracy, Lord, can we be reminded of the grace of the goodness of God, which covers all of these. 
Lord, and you've done that. Lord, and, and now as we're, as we're here, my, my, my fear, Lord, the, the burden of my heart is that there's so many of us who've walked in here with a facade that everything's okay, that everything's good, that I'm exactly who I need to be and where I need to be. And Lord, it's just not true. And that deceit that is in us, it's taken root like cancer and spreading throughout. It's consuming us. And what we need, Lord, we need to be able to walk in the joy of our salvation. And that's not found in the depths of our secrets, but it's found in the freedom of our confession. And so, Lord, I pray that as we respond to your word this morning, number one, that we would embrace a heart of repentance to you. Lord, that we're sorry where we faltered. We're sorry where we failed. Lord, we ask for you to take our crooked paths and to make them straight. Lord, we ask you to, to work and move in our lives, to set us free from the struggles that we face. But then, Lord, we invite others into that journey with us to help us to see the blind spots around the corner, to see the areas of our life that we're neglecting, to live in a, in a posture and an attitude of confession where secrets and lies are exposed and where, where truth and, and hope is replaced. Lord, may we not live in isolation may we live in community. The bond of Christ that joins us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'll be down front during our time of worship. After the service, we'll be back in the back. If you want to talk or pray, we're here. If you need to come down here and, and, and lay some, have a time of repentance, but don't walk out of here the same way that you walked in. Don't carry the burden that you are never intended to carry alone. Would you stand as we worship? Thanks again for listening to the Willow Ridge Church weekly podcast. We hope that you enjoyed listening to this week's message. If you'd like to learn more about who we are or explore additional resources, visit us online at www.willowridgechurch.com or by searching for Willow Ridge Church on Facebook and Instagram.